episode 36. And this episode, I speak to Shane Bartlett, another co-founder of Joomla. Latest Joomla news, design tips, marketing ideas, and interviews with experts in the industry. Beginner or professional, this podcast is for Joomla enthusiasts. Welcome to the Joomla Beat podcast with your host, Peter Buey. Peter Buey. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Joomla Beat podcast, the podcast about designing, developing, managing, and marketing your Joomla website. This episode, I have an awesome interview, uh, awesome conversation, a very long conversation with Shane Bartlett from Cloudum.com. He is one of the co-founders of Joomla who found himself working on bits and pieces of the uh, Joomla project uh, even before it was formed, uh, back when the team was forming and and uh, building up Mambo, so back in those days. But I won't say too much more. I don't want to give away too much of this interview. And actually, I'll just transition straight into this interview and uh, just uh, get into all the juice bits right there. Beat. 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 So joining me on the show is Shane Bartlett. Now, he is one of the co-founders of Joomla, starting Joomla back in the day. And Shane's going to talk a little bit about what it was like back then and how he got involved in the Joomla project. Now, Shane runs a Joomla shop. Would you say a Joomla shop, Shane? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, called Cloudum, cloudum.com. Uh, and you can check that out if you like. But uh, welcome to the show, Shane. Thank you very much, Peter. So now you have a title as co-founder of the Joomla. So how did you come to that title? And uh, what was it like back in the day when Joomla was forming? Um, it was an exciting time. It was I had been using Mambo originally. I, I had a uh, an IT consultancy and we needed a website in the, oh, I think it was about 2003. And I'd been used, trying out PostNuke and... Uh, PHP Nuke, which if you're old, you might remember those. And um, then I spotted this thing called Mambo, and it was super sexy. And it had a sexy admin area, and I thought, that's what I want. So we used that. And uh, I was, at the time, living in a small West Australian town called Albany, which is in the, the bottom half of Western Australia. And um, not a lot goes on there. So I started helping out with the documentation team on Mambo, and then I think it was the beginning of 2005, they, I got an invite from Andrew asking me if I'd like to join the core team of Mambo um, and take on a bit more responsibility in the documentation team. I was doing um, what the intention was to take over or look after um, developer documentation, so the more technical talks, and um, did that. And then, uh, what was it? I can't remember exactly. I think it was... May or June or something, when um, the like, things started to not be quite as we, as a team, were happy, and um, there was the now infamous letter to the community, which basically said we're all going to up and move and create something new, and uh, yeah, just a case of having been joined in, in that little intake earlier in the year, it meant that I was in the right place at the right time, and um, so now I get to wear that little mantle on my forehead that says I was, <laughs> I was there at the beginning. 
And you um, were. You were writing the documentation and helping other people get into the project as well and understand Joomla. So thank you, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was an interesting time. I, it was so much going on. I can still remember there was um, the actual publishing of that letter, which was published on the Mambo forums. It was... <laughs> It was scheduled to happen sort of eight or nine in the morning Eastern Standard Time, so uh, and to tie in with a meeting that was being held in Melbourne. And um, we were literally, as a team, there was about sixteen of us all up, and for myself, up all night um, in the hours beforehand, formulating letter, doing all sorts of stuff, getting stuff ready. We were all using IRC at the time, <laughs> and I stayed up all night. I was I was buzzing. I couldn't get to sleep and. Uh, yeah, waited till it happened, and then we had this little forum called opensourcematters.org uh, where people could contact us, and yeah, that was the beginning of the beginning. Is that open letter still online? I think it is somewhere. I'm pretty sure it's around. Um, I think even the wiki uh, Wikipedia page has a link to it somewhere, but it, it's um, it's the original letter that was basically saying that in light of a lot of what was going on, that we were going to uh, move on to greener pastures and start something new. And um, that was the last time I think most of us ever posted anything on the Mambo Forum at all. <laughs> wow. Just all got up, left, and started a whole new <laughs> started Joomla, basically. Yeah. Um, I, from there, um, well, we didn't have a name at the time, and mm. I, I could be wrong, but from memory, I think Johan had already had the domain name opensourcematters.org. So we used that. And uh, Brad uh, was working at Rockin', so he was able to, um, luckily Chris came to the party and gave us a bit of web space to use. So um, Brad got the forum up and running using the Open Source Matters uh, uh, domain name. Um, and yeah, that was, that was, that little humble beginning was the beginning of everything, but um, I can remember the first first few hours or first day or two. I, I, the 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 posts were coming in at such a rate that I could actually read every post as it came in to the forum. Where if you tried to do that at the moment on Joomla forums, you'd be hard pressed to keep up with the number of posts <laughs> that happened in a, in a minute, much less a day. Wow, that's insane. So, uh, well, I'm assuming there was a huge amount of support back then for the split as well. And um, as we all know, Mambo died uh, a few months later, didn't it? Um, no, people took up the cause of Mambo. Um, yep. Some people, there was several attempts, I think, to sort of uh, reinvigorate it or reignite it and keep it going. It did keep going for a, a few years. There was the Mambo Foundation created. And, um, yeah, people tried, but I think, unfortunately, or fortunately for Joomla, the, the momentum had moved and moved on to Joomla and... Um, yeah, the rest became history. We sort of got a name, got a logo, um, and really, I mean, if you look at where it is now, it's quite spectacular, really. Um, and the number, of, and even things like just the number of people who are actually actively involved in supporting it or working within the community is quite amazing. I might, I, I don't know for sure, but I'd be very surprised if there were too many open source projects anywhere that had the kind of community involvement that Joomla has. Um, and the majority of them volunteers as well. Like in ex other, exactly. Yeah, exactly. other projects have paid developers. 
whereas Joomla is all, it is all volunteer based at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, there's been a, a, a splattering of people getting paid, but by and large, Joomla is still a, or as far as I know, it's still very much volunteer based. I'm like, you know, there's literally been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, possibly thousands of people who you could say have been actively a part of the project since since 2005. And that's quite remarkable, really. Um, and it's, it's, you know, a lot of projects have active users. Um, WordPress obviously has a lot more than Joomla in terms of active users, but um, in terms of an active people within the community who are actually building or building the community who are building the actual software and the, the organization around it um i don't think even wordpress would actually come be able to claim that given that um a different structure there really mm-hmm. so what what actually caused the split like just jumping back a little bit what caused the split between mambo and joomla um i'm not going to throw mud but <laughs> There was, there was, my my take on it, and this is very much my own take on it, was that there had once been a business that had started Mambo, who then open sourced the, the code, and the code was taken up by a group of people, um, who when I first started using it, it was a guy called Robert Castley was running the running the show, um, and then and then Andrew Eddy took over, um, and and this company had sort of let these people basically moved the code forward for a number of years and in that time um, the the code became or the the, the the Mambo platform became quite popular and very, very popular and my take on it is that that company suddenly realised that they actually had quite a um, major going concern that they technically owned. Um, they owned all the infrastructure at least and they owned the copyright on, on a lot of it um, and decided that it was time to try and come back and make something of it and unfortunately or for better or worse um, the way they went about that wasn't uh, agreeable to the people who had actually been working on the code for those past few years and so um, that led to a people who were actually actively working on the code moving away, which the beauty of GPL or the beauty of open source in general is that you can do that. Um, and if nothing else, it was probably one of the first really true um, examples of, of power of open source to actually um, not allow any one person or any one organisation to dictate the terms by which people use software. Um, and it was a very – at the time, there was a lot of debate about whether it was a fork or a spoon or whatever it was going to be called. Um, you know, I'm of the mind that it wasn't really a fork, that it was more just a, a, a moving of the platform to a new name and a new base. But that's just – I'm sure there's a legal um, argument against that. But philosophically, I think the people who made it were moving it and, you know, rest is history it all went really well really well um people tried to keep mambo going and you know i'm like to the to the credit of most people involved on both sides of the fence because there was a fence and there was people on both sides with different opposing views um whilst there was some uh 
less than good rhetoric at the time. Most people have come together now. A lot of people who originally stuck with Mambo slowly or surely moved back to uh, or moved to Joomla. Um, a couple went the other way. Um, but it's all ended up for the best, I think. I think we've got a good platform. Everyone can use it still. It's, it's probably more open than it's ever been in the past. Um, there was mistakes made. We all made mistakes in the beginning. I think um, one of the things that we weren't prepared for as a team was the, the how popular it became so quickly. Um, so you had to really it, scale up the websites and, and the um, Yeah, I'm like, by the time things just, I'm like, I think we're unprepared for just how serious it all got. I'm like, how serious and big and huge and it took on this life of its own, which I don't think any of us were expecting. Um, obviously, you hoped that it would keep on going and people would use it and you'd have a really cool thing going on, but people weren't really expecting it to t- quite take off the way it did. I think there were certain key milestones that probably really, really helped that. I think the JED um, was a major... Um, point of difference at the time. The extension directory? Yeah, I think that the extension directory really, um, it made it really user-friendly. People could find things really easily. Prior to that, you had to go through the Mambo Forge or just look online. There were third part, there were secondary communities. There used to be a thing called um, Members, which was a, an alternative community for Mambo. Um, and so I think things like the JED, which just turned into this behemoth um, providing, you know, it's, it's got pros and cons. I'm like, there's a lot of rubbish in there, but there's also a lot of good stuff in there. Um, but for better or worse, I think that's one of the things that's really, really helped Joomla get where it is. Likewise, the documentation, um, Chris Davenport, um, who made the move across and took over documentation, has done a fantastic job with getting that to the point where it's just got a massive volume of documentation these days. Um, and it's maintained, which... You know, for a long, long time, the documentation effort, um, it was hard slog. Um, there was never very many people involved in it. Um, I'm not sure how many are involved in it nowadays, but they're doing a hell of a job keeping that going. Um, and things like that, I think there's been, you know, some things which I don't think was such a good idea. I think that the, the little, uh, what was it, people.joomla.org, I'm not sure that that worked. Um... But it was worth. But that said, it was worth trying. I might, you know, try things. If they don't work out, then that's no loss. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. And and it's things I believe that there's. I'm not quite up to date with what's going on, but I, I believe that there's something going on with the resources directory is going to take on a new life soon. Um, and I'm like, the proof is in the pudding. I'm like, there's major organisations around the world now use Joomla. Um, it's you know, I, I work with um, creative agencies in general, providing the technical side of what they need. And um, I can't go into all the names, but, you know, there is, I, I work for some fairly major um, Australian companies who are using Joomla for various things, not just um, outwards-facing websites, but internal websites, uh, intranets and things like that, by some of Australia's biggest, biggest companies. And I also know some of the, Globes globally, some of the biggest companies in the world are using Joomla, um, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's, it's you know they wouldn't be using it. These are companies that have the um, 
the, the ability to seriously test software before they use it. They don't use it if there's any doubt about its ability to do what they want and to be secure in doing what they want. And the fact that we're in there and that's being used is, you know, it puts us in an elite group of softwares that are actually able to be used like that. Um, and you have to remember on the flip side, you, you do have countries like, uh, Brian Tiemann pointed this out to me, but uh, countries like South Sudan picking up Joomla from the very first day and using that to power the websites in the government. And same with like Mongolia, I think just about all of their yep. government websites use Joomla as well. So. Yeah, uh, I think Mongolia actually from, I vaguely remember that one, I think they were one of the first where it became... I think it was actually a national directive that their sites are all going to be Joomla-based. Um, wow. And, you know, that's that was actually in the early days. Um, so, you know, this is a great testament, not just to the software itself, but the people who are involved in it at every level. And, you know, everyone who's involved in it, be it from, you know, from from active participants, active users who maybe get on the forum every now and then and help people answer questions right through the people who are actively part of teams or, or you know, um, doing the jugs, you know. There's just this massive community of people who are all combined. Uh, the, you know, the, the sum is way greater than the parts that have gone into making it. It's just amazing. Yeah, and there's a little role for everyone as well that wants to be involved in the project. There's something that every, anyone can do. Absolutely. I mean, there's, you don't have to be a designer or, or and you don't have to be a developer. You don't have to be a developer or a designer. I mean, there's, there's a place for pretty much every possible area of expertise you can imagine. And some of it's just simply using Joomla and knowing enough about it in use to be able to answer questions in a forum. I mean, that's incredibly helpful when you see, you know, New new people to Joomla who, some of whom have absolutely no experience with the web whatsoever, can jump on the forum and in general get you know nice sensible answers to things relatively quickly. Um, that's a massive advantage for Joomla as a project over a lot of other open source projects, particularly the new ones. Um, I think that when I when I left Joomla, I or when I left it as an, in an official capacity, I spent a bit of time sort of shopping around, window shopping to see what else was out there. And the thing that I noticed with all the other uh, content management systems around the place, and some of them are really, really good, um, but what they all seemed to be lacking was that really, really vibrant community. Um, you could put, you could quite, in a lot of them, you could, you know, ask a simple question and wait days for an answer. And that's highly unlikely in, for a Joomla user or someone new to Joomla. And, you know, things like the, the jug meetings that are around the place and the Joomla days around the place are, are fantastic now as well because they, you know, if like the Sydney Joomla days, which obviously we've both been to and you organise, um, generally there's this great mix of both technical and non-technical people all rubbing shoulders together. Um, Melbourne's been the same. I've noticed the same thing with the um, jug meetings here. And right down at that real ground roots sort of level of things, it's, you've got that same sort of really vibrant community thing happening that you've got happening on the, the forums and places like that. And I think that's just just incredible. Yeah, it is a very good balance of people that you, you meet at the um, Joomla user groups as well. I've been to a lot of other CMS meetups and I, I think it's a little bit more skewed either heavily towards developers or 
heavily towards the absolute beginners and uh, people just getting into the CMS users where the Joomla is very balanced. So you Absolutely. Can do some good networking. I've also noticed, and this could just me be a bit of pass on my part, but certain other CMSs have a fairly arrogant <laughs> crowd. <laughs> you won't mention the names. <laughs> I know who they are. <laughs> everyone knows who I'm talking about. Um, and I find that you're less likely to find that in... It's not to say some of us aren't arrogant. I'm pretty sure I am, but um, <laughs> no. But it's it's just that I, I've found that in terms of just being a good community, it's Jimla is a really nice place to to hang out. You know. Hmm. So, what do you do on a daily basis now, Shane? That involves Joomla. Do, do you use it every day, or is it uh, now that you've left it like you said uh in a no, um, official capacity no i'm i am my entire bread and butter is based on um probably 95 percent joomla related uh-huh. um but you can't mention any names um <laughs> I, well i you know, i can mention some um i do primarily what cloudum does is we do work for uh creative agencies so where you have all creative, so designers, for example, and agencies, marketing agencies, creative agencies who are looking to uh, implement websites but maybe don't have uh, internal technical or not enough internal technical to do it, um, we can supplement or provide complete um, technical ability. So they design a site, we build the site. Um, they come up with the imagination of how it's going to work and then we work out how to make it work. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that's what we do. And so I do, I do work for, you know, one of my major clients is a, an up-and-coming uh, company here in, in Perth called uh, Red Mix Blue, who um, actually they've just, one of the sites which we help them do um, has just become a finalist in the Web Awards for the, one of the WA finalists. So, oh, wow, fantastic. And, it, and, it, and it's a Joomla-based site, a um, couple of cups, some extensions using Nuku framework, which we wrote, and... Um, yeah, so it's we do a lot of work for them and, and various other designers in the NWA and, in fact, overseas. I'm, I must admit, a, a fair bit of what we do is actually for um, non-Australian businesses and organisations, so we're spreading far and wide. Um, one of the beauties of the internet, I guess, is that you can do that. Um, so, yeah, I'm like, day-to-day, I am literally doing Joomla all the time. Um, as... I, I, I occasionally delve into other things. We use Open Cart a little bit for our open uh, for um, shopping carts. Um, dabbled in Magento as well. A um, little bit of WordPress. Um, just you know, we're not super stuck on Joomla. We do sometimes do what the agency or the organisation wants to use, and we'll provide the expertise to back that up. But um, in general, ninety five percent of it would be Joomla related. Um, and then, as an aside to that, as a sort of Cloudum, Cloudum's the uh, the consulting shop front. Um, we have a soon to two new to be or soon to be released shop fronts. One for hosting and one for um, Joomla extensions, which will probably become more public and more apparent in the next sort of two to three months. Um, cool. And so, and they and they're completely gym centric. So, um, so it's safe to say you're you're definitely a Joomla man, then. <laughs> yeah, pretty safe yep. to say that. <laughs> right. 
Well, do do let me know when those uh, extension shops and uh, all that get released, and uh, uh, we'll I'll, we'll have a look into it and um, give you a little bit of a plug on the show as well. Yeah, no problem at all. Cool. So you're, from what I've heard, you're a bit of a security expert as well when it comes to Joomla and hosting. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Because you're going to be doing a workshop at Joomla Day Sydney as well. Yeah, um, my where that comes from is my background. That, that little company that I needed to create a website for back in 2002, 2003 was actually a network engineering company or a network management company. So my background was actually um, Windows systems admin um, and that kind of thing. And um, if anyone who's worked with Windows platforms knows that you need to be fairly security conscious, um, you're the target of most nasties. <laughs> yeah, most if not all nasties, yeah. So um, it's something which I've carried with me when I've been working on um, uh, Joomla and, and Linux-based systems. And and so what we'll be covering in the security uh workshop is basically stuff that I've learned over about well, 10 years now of Joomla-specific stuff or Mambo-stroke Joomla-specific stuff um, and breaking it down into sort of bite-sized pieces that everyone will be able to um, hopefully understand. So we're going to have a look at, for example, what are the actual security issues that you face? Um for example, what are the different methods of hacking that people might use, like cross-site scripting or just simple brute force attacks? Um, people aren't familiar with the idea, or a lot of people don't even know what phishing is, but in actual fact, your organisations, quite often your biggest security hole is actually your people. Um, <laughs> so things like letting people know what these issues are that they need to be aware of, and then we're going to run through how we need to... Um, best secure those or block those little holes up. Um, and that's attacked at three levels, I guess. One is your actual server level. Um, a lot of people tend to forget about the server. They get shared hosting or they get hosting which is run by somebody else, so they sort of don't worry about that. Someone else is looking after that. Um, the second level would be Joomla itself. And in my experience, Joomla is very rarely actually the issue behind a site getting hacked. Um, and then lastly will be third-party extensions. And I would suggest to most people that in actual fact it's either the server or third-party extensions that are more likely to be the points of entry for a, a compromise of your site. Um, and so we're going to run through all that stuff. And as we do it, we're going to actually build up a checklist so that by the time people actually get to the end of the um, the workshop, they'll have a simple checklist that they should actually be applying to every site that they put out there. Um, and it's an ongoing thing, so it's not a case that you you secure all these things and you go, right, all done, she'll be right. Um, you need to revisit it periodically because things change, and as things change, holes may have been opened up and you need to reassess that those holes, if they do exist, get plugged as quickly as possible. So... Um, We'll be covering a, a fairly broad area of things. Um, we're going to be getting into, you know, we'll also have a look at some of the third-party extensions that you can use. Um, Akiba, um, for example, and how you can use that to help things along. But we'll also get under the hood of that. Some of what we'll be discussing is what is Akiba's actually achieving and how it's achieving it. Um, 
because I think that things like a keeper are good, but it's good if you can also understand what it is that you're actually trying to prevent. Um, a lot of people don't think they're hacked until, or don't know they're hacked until someone goes to their website and it says that it's been taken over by, I don't know, Turkish mafia or something. Um, but in actual fact, those are the hacks that are probably the least problematic because you know that you've been hacked and you can do something about fixing it. The ones that are really problematic are when people have gained access to your server and actually have access to your server and you don't know about it because that's when your site is more likely being used for something far more serious. Um, I'm sure people have heard of um, basically web-based um, organised crime where people, you know, organisations actually have... Um, infiltrated not just one or two but thousands if not tens of thousands of servers that are compromised and are just sitting there in a compromised position for them to use at will when they need to. Um, it's how a lot of um, um, denial of service attacks occur um, from compromised servers um, all being told to target a single site at a single time and that's the kind of thing that people aren't really aware of because they don't know it's there, they don't know if they're compromised. There's nothing telling them that they're compromised. There's nothing actually going wrong. Um, but that doesn't mean you're not compromised. So we'll be looking at things like that as well. Very interesting. So a lot of learning and also some takeaway checkpoints at the end. So something... Yeah, and we're going to make a little bit hands-on. So each person yeah. that comes along, we're actually going to give them... We'll be setting up a, a shared hosting account with a, a, a vanilla Joomla in there so they can get hands-on and actually work through what we're doing um, through the control panel, through Joomla itself, and, and we can work through what we're looking for and what we're fixing. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I'll be going to that as well. I, one of our servers got hacked recently, and uh, one of the accounts was sending out uh, you know, the generic enlargement ads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Enlargement ads and Viagra pills. So, um, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Excellent. That, that server eventually got black. So it was you that was spamming my inbox. <laughs> it may have been. It may have been. Well, that's the kind Sorry. of thing where quite often people don't realize that their server's doing that. There's no obvious thing mm. going on until all of a sudden you find that you're on a blacklist or something like that. So um, the idea is to be proactive. This will be the, the big thing we'll be pushing is to be proactive about it and not reactive. So don't wait until you know you've been hacked. Actually do the preventative stuff to make sure you're not hacked. And, and at, at its most simple, you can use something like a keeper, but there's also a bundle of other things that we can do to, um, to ensure or to give you the best chance of not getting hacked in the first place. Awesome. All right. So what is... Pro- don't want to give too much away, but what would be one takeaway point for people listening to this podcast to uh, secure their Joomla site or their their hosting environment in general? Ooh. Just one. <laughs> my, my, get rid of the rubbish. rubbish? Get rid of the rubbish. Um, we do a lot of migrations. We do a lot of Joomla migrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly at the moment, we do a lot of stuff bringing Joomla from 1.5 through to 2 or 3. And it's quite bizarre when you see these, you know, being 1.5 sites, these are sites that have been around for a long time. And one thing that we notice is that invariably users might think if they need something, they, they develop on their live sites. So they go, oh, I need something to do this. So they'll install half a dozen extensions to um, that might have a similar 
goal of achieving something and they find the one that they want to use and so they use that, but they never uninstall the ones that they decided not to use. Ah. Um, they leave crap all over the place and over a period of, you know, three, four, five years, these sites end up just filled with garbage that's not getting used, it's not getting backed up or it's not getting updated. It's often vaporware that doesn't even exist anymore. Um, and they're just ripe for the picking. Um, and so number one thing is actually just look after your site, my basic maintenance and clean up, um, keep the place clean. Cause if it's clean, it's also easier to work out what's not right. Um, we had a, a site, oh, be early this year, I think it was where, um, there was over 35, uh, components, just components <laughs> installed. 35 and, components. Yeah, installed. However, there was only about two or three that were being used, um, and the rest were rubbish. And within those, there were at least two to three which were compromised components. They were components that were known to have security issues. Um, they were 1.5 components. They weren't maintained anymore. There was no updating to them or anything like that. And so these sites have been made vulnerable um, just through being sloppy, um, and it doesn't take much to uninstall an extension in Joomla. Um, and these were also adding thousands upon thousands of pages or files in terms of the code base, um, which, yeah, it was it was just a nightmare. And so the first thing we did, obviously, in that case, we actually um, rebuilt the site from scratch. We didn't worry about um, too much migration. Um, but it was a much lighter site um, as a result. So, yeah, my number one tip is just, housekeeping and, and keeping the place clean. Um, That's brilliant. And it's, everyone can do that, really. Just make sure you yeah, don't uninstall the thing that you need. Yeah, and it's it's also I might, an extension of that might be that you don't develop on your live site. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, even if you just have a copy sitting locally that you can muck around with things, and then if you find the one you like, you install it. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of the... I think one of Joomla's... Um, it's Achilles' heel of, of all, is that it's too easy sometimes. Um, and it, it is dead set simple for a person to jump onto JDE. They're looking for, I don't know, a Twitter extension. They can find a dozen within 30 seconds. They can install them all and have a play with them. Um, because you can so simply install and uninstall, people tend to do it on their life site. I'm not saying, you know, they're not going to hurt it. <laughs> so they do that. And... It's, it's that ease with which people can do things that sometimes maybe leads to people being a little bit sloppy with it. And, um, it, you know, one of the things we'll be pushing is that the security aspect of things isn't actually hard and it doesn't necessarily need to take a lot of time. It just needs to be done. And if they do it, then they're going to be much happier as a result. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, is your workshop going to show people how to install a local copy of their website so they can play around with it? Or is that uh, a little bit out of the scope? I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. We probably could because it only takes 30 seconds to do it. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll be, each person's going to have a, um, um, going to be set up with their own individual account on a, one of our servers. So they'll have a, a Plesk base. So they'll be able to log in through the Plesk panel and, um, there'll be a Joomla site waiting there for them to access and have a muck around with um, and have a look at some of what we're doing because we're going to be looking at things like um, obviously the hosting. Another thing that people don't often think about is, is the actual host itself. Um, 
not all hosts are created equal and um, sometimes it's better to pay that little bit more for a better host than it is to have maybe a, a less than better host who may not be looking after their sites as well as what they could or their servers as well as what they could. It's, you know, it, it, it blows my mind sometimes that there are still hosts around nowadays where you have to use the FTP um, mechanisms for Joomla. Um, that that shouldn't that shouldn't exist anymore, um, and the fact that it does so is a host that people shouldn't be complaining about how to, or asking how to use that functionality. They should be finding out what other hosts they should be using because that's just ridiculous. Um, you know the, the simple t- the simple test of that one. It, it's you know if you can't save your images folder without it being set to seven seven seven, then there's something wrong. If you can't, if you are saving files and you find out that the file permission ends up being nobody as a user group um, that's a poorly set up server and there's absolutely no excuses for any hosting company if you're doing that these days so um, these are little things that still exist um, and and they are signs that you need to move on from your host for example I really hope I don't come across a hosting environment that still does that Uh, they do still exist I've They're, they're legacy. I mean, they're ones that have been around for a while, but the servers do, are still out there and they've never been set up. Pro- well, you know, they may have set up before it was easy to do so, but, you know, it's, it's time to really sort that sort of thing out. It's, it's, it's reprehensible in my mind that a host <laughs> could actually do that still. It's just setting themselves up for a disaster, really, because they will get hacked if they haven't been already and the client's going to complain to them when they do. Yeah, uh, it's, it's one of those things that um, I've I've had it myself. We've had clients who have been hacked. We had one client who was hacked because their username um, was their password. Oh, no. Was it uh, admin? No, but it was a very common <laughs> English name. So All right. it, it would be on every every brute force attacker's word list for sure. All right. <laughs> um, you know, that's you know, we if we have time, we may even show a brute force attack in effect, and people might be surprised how easy it is for anyone on the web to download software that will allow them to do brute force attacks using multiple proxies and rotating through proxies and finding anonymous proxies and getting around every lots of the measurements or lots of the things that you'd be using to try and keep them out, just to do a simple brute force attack and. Um, they'll be surprised at how easy a 10-year-old could get access to the software and do that. Um, I'd love to see that in action. It's, it's quite remarkable, and, and it's incredibly simple, and the software's out there for free to download. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's not like it's something that people, you know, every kid, including myself when I was young, goes through a phase where they just have a look to see how it works. And... Um, it's incredibly simple. Um, the tools are all there and, and freely available. And so, um, you know, the, f- the upside is that most of the kids are doing that kind of attack. If they're just doing a basic brute force attack and it's just a kid doing it, they're unlikely to then destroy your site or do anything malicious with it. Um, they're just but, experimenting, I hope, and having a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah, but the fact that they could do it means that any, you know the, 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 the more sinister people could also do it. So if if the simple if the kids can do it, then you've got a problem. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, Shane, 
thank you so much for sharing your story and also all of that knowledge as well. I think a lot of the listeners will get a lot out of that. But um, once again, thank you for your time, Shane. And I think I'll be seeing you in a few weeks at Joomla Day, Sydney. You will indeed. Looking forward to it. Awesome. It's going to be a very fun event. What night are you coming down? Uh, I'm catching the red eye on Friday night, so I'll be arriving in Sydney six a.m. Uh, grab some brekkie and then head down to the uni there. Um, so yeah, it's a late start for me. Unfortunately, I've got work and business commitments I've got to do right up until the end of the week. Um, yep, fair enough. But but I might be staying an extra day or two on the other side of the weekends, possibly. So I, I haven't booked my return flight yet. I'm just leaving that open at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see how we go, Shane, and uh, we'll All see right. you in a few weeks. No worries. You're listening to the Joomla Beat Podcast. Once again, thank you so much, Shane, for that interview. It was a pleasure talking to you. I've uh, spoken to you a couple of times before, but uh, that's probably the longest I've ever sat down with you and had a conversation. And I, I didn't realize how long we were talking for, and uh, I, I just couldn't stop. It was a pretty good conversation. And I really hope everyone got something out of that as well. And uh, make sure you're managing your websites. Good, awesome, great, fantastic securities tip there. But uh, that's pretty much all all the time we have for this episode. I've I've gone way over my half an hour marker limit, which I've uh, set on myself. Um, But like always, everyone, uh, if you enjoy this episode, jump onto the iTunes store and give it a five-star rating or review. It really helps with the discoverability of the podcast. And uh, if you don't do that, share it out, tweet it, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, LinkedIn, and what's the other one? Google+. Plus. Uh, we're, we're pretty much everywhere. Uh, myself and the team post uh, pictures, Joomla resources, all sorts of Joomla goodies and uh, updates about this podcast episode as well. Uh, just jump on to any of those networks and give us a give us a bit of a thumbs up. Say hi, hello, all, all that jazz. But anyway, uh, until next time, everyone, please keep your websites safe and secure and make sure you keep them backed up. Okay, bye now. You've been listening to, you've been listening to the Joomla Beat Podcast together the community of designers, developers, fans and users from around the globe. Around the globe. Joomla B. Joomla B. Joomla B. Joomla B. Joomla B. Joomla B.